0: Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations.
1: Welcome back to Euronet Plus Panorama. The 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, aka COP28, kicked off on Thursday, the 30th of November in Dubai. The high-level conference will run until the 12th of December and will provide a forum for the first so-called global stocktake since the Paris Agreement was signed eight years ago. It will focus in particular on the energy transition, climate financing, cooperation between developed and developing countries and adaptation and resilience to climate change. According to Kadri Simpson, the European Energy Commissioner, Although there is still work to be done before the end of this Commission's mandate, the EU can go to Dubai with its head held high. Simpson was speaking to the European Parliament's Industry Research and Energy Committee on Tuesday. COP meetings are always a forum to showcase each country's breakthroughs. And this year Europe will go to COP with a strong track record in defining a credible, comprehensive path towards um, zero. Over the past two years, um, we have all worked hard, ...to put in place a fully-fledged legal framework. And, she added, the EU's achievements are not limited to the legislative arena. Beyond our legislative breakthroughs, more importantly, Europe's experience can show... ...to COP28 that a clean energy transition can be pursued also through challenging times. We have stayed the course um, on our climate policies in the face of uh, market disruption and shocks... And not only that, we have preserved our energy security by accelerating our clean energy transition. Dubai is also, of course, about the binding promise 195 signatories made in Paris in December 2015. The promise to cap global warming at 2 degrees Celsius on pre-industrial levels, and if possible at 1.5 degrees. With experts suggesting that the current trend is leading us towards 3 degrees by the end of the century, Brussels will use this occasion to call on all parties to take urgent action to respect this commitment and bring down their greenhouse gas emissions. Co-chair of the German Greens, Ricarda Lange, told a press conference on Monday that we need to fight the impulse to put the climate crisis on the back burner in the face of so many other competing crises, AMS reports.
2: It is good that even in this difficult global situation, we are taking the time to work together on achieving this human task of protecting our natural basis of life. Because sometimes there is a tendency, which I also experienced to a certain degree myself in the German debate, to say that there are so many overlapping crises that this one will have to take a back seat for a while. Lang is convinced that doing
1: this would only worsen an already difficult situation. And she celebrates the fact that Germany and the EU are heading to Dubai with a common goal.
2: Our ambition as Germany and also as Europe with whom we are heading into this COP is that there needs to be a global expansion target for renewable energies. We want to triple that expansion of renewable energies and double energy efficiency around the world by 2030. In this way, we can show that we are capable of putting our welfare on a climate-neutral footing, of doing business in a renewable Manner, and we can't do this as individual states, but we can do it together as a world.
1: Indeed, the Commission President is due to launch the Global Pledge on Renewables and Energy Efficiency, together with the COP28 Presidency, on Saturday, the 2nd of December. This specifically aims to triple the capacity of installed renewables and double energy efficiency measures by 2030. Yet there will undoubtedly be other loud voices attempting to keep these ambitions in check. Like the Polish presidents, for example. At least according to Poland's UN ambassador, Krzysztof Sztetski, who tells Polskie Radio that the energy transformation, while necessary, must also be realistic.
0: It should be one that takes into account the needs of the economy, that takes into account the needs and capabilities of societies. Neither climate change nor changes in the energy model should place more of a burden on societies than they can
1: bear. The controversial host of this year's conference, the United Arab Emirates, has ambitious plans of its own to massively increase oil and gas extraction between now and 2030, by which time it will be too late to limit global warming to one and a half degrees. So RTV Slovenia asks longtime climate negotiator Andre Krantz. What are COP28's chances of
0: success? One of the main topics is fossil fuels. The question is what the countries will decide on. Either to give up fossil fuels or just reduce fossil fuel consumption. That's a big question. However, it is likely that coal consumption will increase in some countries, especially in China and India. There, for their development, for their economy, for their population, and to obtain electricity, they are increasing coal mining. New power plants are being built. Thousands of new coal-fired power stations are planned or under construction all over the world, so a global reduction of emissions is not yet around the corner.
1: Moving from the environment to health, French MEP Anne-Sophie Pelletier co-chairs a working group on tobacco in Europe. This group of MEPs is urging the Commission to develop a new European directive on tobacco and to tackle the illicit tobacco trade. Pelletier tells our colleagues at France's EU radio that although this directive was due to be reviewed at the end of 2022, it has still not appeared in the Commission's work plan. And why is such a review so important? For a start, she says... There is no scope of application for the liquids used in e-cigarettes, nor for disposable vapes. And secondly, because of the thorny issue of tobacco taxation. There
2: are several important points about tobacco. The first is is its taxability. As we all know, a packet of tobacco is highly taxed, except that in some countries you don't have the same level of taxation. Behind that lies something that runs counter to the WHO protocol. This is a protocol that says, for example, that depending on the number of inhabitants you have, you are entitled to a certain quantity of tobacco. Except our working group realized that parallel trade, and I'm not talking about counterfeiting here, which goes against this WHO protocol, in other words giving a certain number of cigarettes per certain number of inhabitants, is set up by the companies themselves. For example, Luxembourg receives a lot of cigarettes compared with other countries, or Andorra, so more cigarettes are sent to countries with a rather special tax system in place, because there are no controls and no traceability. Traceability is a real problem, and this raises the question of conflicts of interest. But in fact, there
1: is a tobacco traceability system in place. The European Tobacco Control System, known as Tracking and Tracing, assigns a unique code to each packet of cigarettes produced in the EU, indicating where the cigarettes were manufactured and how they moved through the supply chain. Intended to combat the trade in smuggled cigarettes, The system was part of the revised 2014 EU tobacco regulations and came into force in 2019. The system is split between IT companies that operate tracking databases for individual manufacturers and importers, and a global level that collates all this data into a secondary data repository. EU Radio asks Pelletier to elaborate on her concerns. We
2: see that it doesn't work. Yes, there is a European traceability system, but it doesn't work. Initially, it was called Codentify, and it was developed by Atos. But Atos is potentially one and the same as Thierry Breton, the European commissioner for the internal market. Then, when Codentify was bought, quote-unquote, by Japanese company Dentsu, this company was put in charge of tobacco traceability. However, Dentsu won the public contract, Without submitting a public tender, and holds this contract until the end of 2023. The European Commission, through one of its directors, Jan Hoffman, decided to award Dentsu the contract for tobacco traceability in Europe. Except, strangely enough, Mr. Hoffman then left to work for Dentsu. So we have a real case of conscience here, wondering whether there might not have been something behind it, reminiscent of Qatargate, conflicts of interest, and so on. conscience Potential, is not a So, yes, at the end of 2018,
1: Dentsu Tracking was awarded a contract to operate the aforementioned secondary repository. Then, in October 2020, Dentsu hired Jan Hoffman, a member of the Commission's Health Department who worked on tobacco traceability, as director of its regulatory affairs and compliance division. The Commission maintains that Hoffman was not involved in awarding the Dentsu contract and that he is in any case constrained by rules not to share unauthorised information gained during his time at the Commission. Dentsu, for its part, denies that Hoffman played any role in their contract award or that he has used his Commission contacts to help the company in any way. Another hot topic related to both health and the environment is the revision of the REACH Regulation an issue that appears to be slipping off the agenda of this current Commission. Ursula von der Leyen, the President of the European Commission, has pledged to revise this 17-year-old European regulation governing the registration, evaluation and authorisation of chemicals, with a view to restricting the use of these substances. But this pledge may now be too complicated to fulfil before the European elections next June. Following in-depth talks with industry NGOs and scientific bodies, the Commission seems to have decided to let the matter quietly drop. Our Belgian partner station, RTBF, asks Yves Veskuren, the Director General of Essentia, the Belgian Federation of Chemical Industries and Life Sciences, if this was a case of economic power taking precedence over human health and environmental protection in these times of crisis.
0: La réponse à cette question est non. The answer to this question is no. Nothing must jeopardise the safety of our fellow citizens, our protection of the environment or our health. So no, we cannot compromise on this issue. Having said that, it is also true that the competitiveness of the chemical industry is currently under considerable strain, and that this is a concern that the political world understands and is attentive to.
1: But wouldn't it actually be in Europe's economic interest? prompt our Belgian colleagues to get ahead of the game in prohibiting the use of these substances. Surely this would just force industry to innovate sooner rather than later. And either way, Adaptation
0: is inevitable. This is what Europe has been doing since REACH was introduced. In 2007, it was Europe that decided to introduce these regulations for assessing and authorizing chemicals. To date, Europe is the only region to have such restrictive legislation, much more so than the Americans, the Chinese or others. As is often the case, at the beginning, manufacturers are a bit frightened and ask a lot of questions but they have learned to live with it. And you're right that it encourages innovation and research. We need to speed up our thinking about which substances really are the most toxic, the most dangerous, and what we can do to replace them. So I'll
1: sign off there. Join us again next week for another roundup of news from the Euronet Plus Network.